Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are our father, that you're our dad. And we cry out to you this evening and ask that you would speak to us through your word. Jesus, you declared that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Our greatest need is our spiritual need. And so tonight we're here to feast of your word. Would you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand? And we thank you that you are a God of order and a God who counts us, a God who is acquainted with us and that you're gracious enough to be intimately acquainted with our lives. Lord, where there's a need for comfort, would you provide it? Lord, where there's a need for for challenge, would you provide it as well? In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin the book of Numbers, we're going to see that God is a God of order, that he's a God of detail. With the children of Israel, they have been set free from captivity in Egypt. They're journeying to the promised land, and the book of Numbers addresses this time of wandering in the wilderness. It's estimated that you could travel the distance between Egypt and and Israel in two weeks or so, but they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. No doubt in this time they're circling some of the same territory, circling some of the same land. They get to the promised land, the first generation, they don't believe God's promises. They don't believe that God is bigger than the giants, that God is stronger than the walls of Jericho, and they fall in unbelief. They, they fall in this place of not trusting the Lord, and they're not able to inhabit the promised land. That's the first generation, and outside of Joshua and Caleb, they all die in the wilderness. The second generation's being prepared and raised up. They're gonna trust the Lord and enter into the promised land. As they're wandering through the wilderness, it would be easy for them to lose sight of the plot. Are we really God's chosen people? What was this deliverance out of Egypt all about? Is God going to bring us into the promised land? Can you relate? As we go through our lives, sometimes it is wilderness wandering. In the challenges, we can lose sight of what God's plan is, what his plot is, what the promises that lie ahead of us, the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the the promise of ultimately forever being with the Lord. This challenge, this wilderness that we're going through, it, it is leading to forever being with the Lord. Collectively, As humanity, we're closer to the second coming of Christ than we've ever been. You personally are closer to heaven than you've ever been before. Tomorrow morning, you will be one day closer to forever being with the Lord. This life, this race, it is gonna wrap up and culminate in every good and perfect gift in the presence of the Lord where there's fullness of joy. But as we're in the difficulty, it can be easy for us to lose sight of what the Lord is doing. The purpose of the book of Numbers is a manual to deal with their wilderness wandering, how the nation was to order itself in its journeys. We're gonna see that just the amount of men that are fighting, that are 20 and over, is over 600,000. Very low estimate, we're dealing with at least a million people, if not two million. 
So 600,000 men, 20 and up that can fight in war, that doesn't even begin to mention women or children. Let's multiply that 600,000 by two. You're over a million. Multiply it by three. You're at at 1.8 million. So the order that would be needed for this group of people to travel through the wilderness, it shows how the priests and the Levites were to function in this condition of mobility as they're packing up the, the tabernacle, how they were to prepare themselves ultimately for the conquest of the promised land. Moses is the author of the book of Numbers, these first five books of the Old Testament. The Pentateuch is written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We get the title Numbers from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the Greek word arithmomai, translated into the English word numbers. But the Hebrew title for this book comes from the fifth word in the book, which is in the desert of, in the wilderness. That, that's the Hebrew title for this book. While, why we have this English title of numbers is because there's a lot of statistics There's a lot of numbers. God is counting the warriors. He's counting uh, the priests. And so we call this book the book of numbers. Let's begin in chapter one, verse one. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of meeting on the first day of the second month and the second year after they've come out of the land of Egypt saying, God is speaking to Moses in the wilderness and Moses is sharing God's message with the children of Israel. None of us enjoy the wilderness. None of us enjoy times of difficulty. For the children of Israel, it's hot. They're wondering where their provision is gonna come from. God is, is graciously giving manna from heaven every morning. Water is coming from the rock. Their clothes aren't, wearing out. Amazing provision from God, but extremely difficult to be wandering these 40 years in the wilderness, but yet God is speaking. I don't know about you, but I've noticed in my life that there's a greater revelation to who God is, a greater clarity of his voice in my life when it's difficult, when there's wilderness. God is a God of the wilderness. He is a God of the difficulty. Do you find yourself in the midst of a dry time, a difficult time? Would you describe this season of your life as one of of wilderness? God is wanting to reveal himself to you in the midst of that challenge. Moses personally knew of his own wilderness experience after he killed an Egyptian. He fled to the, the wilderness, became a shepherd, A normal day as a shepherd and God spoke to him through the burning bush that God is the great I am. The apostle Paul, when he got saved, God led him to a time of isolation, a time in the wilderness where God revealed himself to him in a greater way. Elijah the prophet gets filled with discouragement and runs to the wilderness. Ever felt that way? I just wanna get away from it all. It's too overwhelming, he gets succumbed to his fear and runs out into the wilderness and God met him in a still small voice in the wilderness. 
So there's difficulty in my life this evening. I know there's difficulty in your life this evening. But listen for the voice of God. Though I don't like being in the wilderness, I wouldn't trade the revelation of Jesus Christ that comes through that time of difficulty. Sometimes we have to slow down enough, not just trying to get to another season or get out of the pain, but to stop in the wilderness and saying, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to reveal to me about yourself? Verse two, take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names, every male individually, from 20 years old and above, all who are able to go to war in Israel. You and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man from every tribe, each one of the head of his father's house. We learn something about God in the way that he put together the nation of Israel. 12 tribes, the sons of Jacob, we'll talk about them more in a little bit, but 12 tribes, and under each of those tribes, then you have families. As the nation of Israel is counted, they're counted by families. It's the power of belonging. As an Israelite, you are part of a family. So many times throughout the Old Testament, we read this phrase, the son of. (laughs) It's always who you are connected to through your family but then your family was part of a tribe. God wants us to be connected to one another in our families, our biological families, and also in the body of Christ. It can be said that a whole society will disintegrate when there is the destruction of family. Of all of the things that are taking place that are concerning in the United States, one of it is the disassembly of the family. God is the creator of family. Adam and Eve, husband and wife, and blessing them with children, and it didn't necessarily go well for that first family. It was filled with problems and difficulties, and our families are too, and the children of Israel, I'm sure these families had their difficulties, but God says, when I'm counting, I'm counting by families, and I'm counting by tribes, Foreigners from Egypt decided to travel with the Israelites. They joined the congregation of Israel. They saw God moving and they said, we want to be part of this. And God didn't develop a 13th tribe, the foreigner tribe. Those people immersed into these families. They became part of the families and part of those tribes. Here's the lesson for us. It's worth family investment as difficult as it is at times. Keep loving, keep pressing into your family. If you're single, press into your parents, your your siblings. If you have children, press into your children, press into your spouse. God wants us to be connected to our families. It seems like the family has really been under attack under COVID virus, hasn't it? Even over how different members in the family handle COVID has resulted in division in families. So this is a time to be on our knees for our families, to be pressing into our families, but then also to be pressing into the body of Christ. You belong with the body of Christ. You belong with God's people. 
This is a place of belonging, not the building, but relationally with one another. And to say, I'm gonna be counted amongst the people of God. (laughs) A great commitment to make in our lives is to say, I'm following Christ, I'm choosing to follow Christ, and I'm gonna be planted with God's people. I know that I belong to Christ, and I belong in the body of Christ. I belong in being in fellowship together. So, so God's not counting them specifically by individuals, though there is that individual tally, but he's looking at them by families and by tribes. Of the tribes, there is a specific leader of each of the tribes. In verse 5 down to verse 16, it lists the 12 tribes and their specific leader over those tribes. We're going to do some summary, if that's okay through these first few chapters. So please look with me in your Bible. From verse 17 to verse 46, you have the 12 tribes and the exact number of those men that are 20 years or older that could be counted in the fight. So from the tribe of Reuben, 46,500, verse 21. From the tribe of Simeon, 59,300. From the tribe of Gab, 45,650. We're going to start rounding here a little bit. Judah, verse 27, roughly 74,000. Ishakar, 54,000. Zebulun, 57,000. You get the idea all the way through the 12 tribes. The total, verse 46, is 603,550. That's a lot of warriors. So what's the point of this census? Why This is something that God is telling Moses to do. It gives Moses an idea of what their resources are, where their strengths are, and also where their needs are by counting in totality the army that's together. A brief history of these 12 tribes. When we read this, we go, man, I wonder what these 12 tribes were like. Remember, this began with Jacob, and Jacob has relationship with four women. One man, four women. And this family that God used to birth the nation of Israel was very dysfunctional. Now, men, it's always God's design for sex to be one man with one woman for life. You get outside of that, and it gets complicated. He married sisters, Rachel and Leah, and then also had sex with their handmaiden. So there was all of this competition between this family. But it's this family that God used to bring about the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes. You may remember when we studied the book of Genesis that the older brothers had it out against Joseph because Joseph was from the favored wife. And they were jealous of Joseph and wanted to murder him, but ultimately sold him as a slave. And Joseph goes as a slave to Egypt, which resulted in God saving the nation of Israel. God in his grace birthed this this very large nation out of a very broken and dysfunctional family. Does that hit home? Does that relate? Do you go, man, my, my family has brokenness. 
I'm a sinner, my family's a sinner, we need a savior, wondering if there's hope for our families? Absolutely, because God is a God of grace and we see his grace revealed through this broken family. So chapter two. Verses one through nine, we see the tribes of Ishakar, Judah, and Zebulun numbering 186,400 and there to camp at the east of the tabernacle. So in chapter two, God is laying out this God of order for the nation of Israel where they're to camp. And as they camp, the tabernacle is in the center. The tabernacle's in the center and to the east of the tabernacle, these tribes, Judah, Ishakar, and Zebulun would camp. And then verses 10 through 16, we have the tribes of Reuben, Simeon, and Gad, numbering 151,450. And then focus with me on verse 17 of chapter two. And the tabernacle of meeting shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps as they camp, so they shall move out everyone in his place by their standards. What we find with the Levites is that they were not to go to war, and they had no inheritance in the future promised land. They didn't get their own own land. And they were to camp here in the wilderness right next to the tabernacle. So the other tribes are around the tabernacle, but those that are closest to the tabernacle, the presence of the Lord, was the Levites. And church, I think that this is a great lesson for us. There is a closeness with the Lord when we choose to serve. When we choose to get our eyes off of ourselves and say, God, I want to serve you. We just got done studying the book of Leviticus, and it sounds so lofty to be a priest. It sounds so lofty to be a Levite. These guys were butchers at best. They had a very dirty job to the point where you could probably smell them when they were coming. When you read through the book of Leviticus, you're like, that's a tough day at work. And doing that every day, day after day, killing animals, keeping the whole thing thing going. They don't get to go out and be warriors and conquer the land. They're not going to own their own land, but what do they have? They have a closeness to the Lord. And there'll be a closeness with Jesus as we choose to serve. Jesus came as a servant. Jesus came to wash feet. He even served those that crucified him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's not just serving those that are lovable and serving those that appreciate it, but but saying, I'm gonna choose to lay my life down because of who Jesus is. Then there's a closeness with the Lord. And the Levites, as they served, they were the closest ones to the presence of God. And in verse 18 and 24, we have the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, numbering 108,000, and they were west of the tabernacle. That's where they were to camp. Verse 25 to verse 31, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali, numbering 157,600, were to camp north of the tabernacle. God's instruction here of having the tribes in these specific spot, you'll notice that what's in the center? The tabernacle. And God is also giving us a message here. Just like he gave us a message about belonging, as we look at God's order, what's to be the very center of our lives? 
worship the presence of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Had some time yesterday to sit with Steve Jackson. Many of you know Steve. He has led our singles ministry for years. He's one of our lay pastors and he's had a a long battle with prostate cancer and prostate cancer is winning and he's gonna be going home to be with the Lord. We, We don't know when he's going home to be with the Lord but he's on hospice and his, his days are, are numbered and he's in a lot of pain and, and suffering. And as I was sitting with him and, and talking with him, it became evident to me once again how Steve has put the Lord first in his life. That Steve has centered his life around worship, centered his life around God's people. I was asking him if he got a lot of visitors. I I knew the answer, but I still wanted to ask. And he went through a list of names of people from the church that come and have a meal with them every night of the week. They bring him dinner and sit with him in his home and they share a meal together. Steve really built the singles ministry off of sharing meals together, even outside of their corporate Bible study time. Steve's famous line is, I don't think Jesus ate too many meals alone. So he encourages singles to get together and and have meals uh, together. And Steve has loved people well. And as he's loved the Lord well and he's loved people well, he's also receiving love. So every night of the week, someone's coming and sharing a meal with them. And it hit me as I was talking with Steve Steve, you're a rich man. Rich from what really matters. Rich in a relationship with the Lord. Rich in fellowship. On a practical sense, Steve's life is what it looks like when you put the tabernacle in the center. When you put Christ's love in in the center. When you put the kingdom and, and worshiping in the center. There's people that have a lot of money. There's people that have every physical thing that this world has to offer, but they sit in their palaces alone. They drive their fancy cars alone. Their their money cannot provide somebody that's gonna come and care for them in their, their time of need. Money can't satisfy. Possessions can't satisfy. But when Jesus is in the center, he satisfies. Many of you are aware that the tabernacle points to Jesus. In fact, in John chapter one, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And in the Greek, that word dwelt is literally tabernacled. Jesus is our tabernacle. The the tabernacle brought God's presence amongst God's people. Jesus brings God's presence into our life. As, As Jesus took on human flesh and died for our sins and rose again, he gives us a promise that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. So so church, this is life. Jesus is life. Put your camp around Jesus, amen? Say, Say, I am going to make the tabernacle. I'm gonna make Christ, his presence, the very center of my life, seeking first the the kingdom of God. In verse 32, 
of chapter two, these are the ones who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's house. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces were 603,550. But the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards, and so they broke camp, each one by his family, according to their father's house. So they would pack up as families. Isn't packing up so stressful? I can remember as a kid loading up in the Ford Fairmont station wagon to go on some family vacations, and boy, it was stressful. You could, you could just feel the, the tension of trying to get everything packed and get out the door. And now as a dad, I feel that tension. You know, if we're going on a, a family trip, it's like, man, I'm starting to twitch, trying to get everything packed up and doing some self-talk, talking to myself, relax, it's gonna be okay. You know, like, we'll get everything packed up. These guys are nomadic. This is what they do. When the cloud moves by day, they move. When the pillar of fire moves, they move. And there has to be order in this process. And so God sets up this specific order and they follow the order that God had gave. When we look around at God's creation, we see an intense amount of order, don't we? We live in a broken world, a world that's impacted by sin, but not a chaotic world. We live in a a very ordered world by God. Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, could have gotten real crazy real quick. He got a lot of hungry people. Free (laughs) Chick-fil-A! And Jesus is cooking, right? Jesus is giving out free food. Probably tasted pretty good. And in Mark's gospel, chapter six, it tells us that Jesus had the people sit down. And he had them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. The disciples were the distributors of the food. Jesus blessed the food and he broke it, gave it to the disciples. The disciples got a lot of steps in that day. 12 guys feeding 5,000, not including women and children, walking to groups of 50 and 100. This would take hours to distribute all of the food to all of the people but it happened in an orderly process because God's a God of order. A lot of times in our lives, we fight order and we fight structure. I I don't want order. I don't want structure. We perceive freedom to be a life that doesn't have order and structure. But when we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, ultimately, accepting his order in our lives, then things are put into place. So, So God very specifically puts this whole system together for the children of Israel. Chapter three. Now these are the records of Aaron and Moses when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the son of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn and Abihud, Elizer and Ithamar. These are the names of the son of Aaron, the appointed priest whom he consecrated to minister as priest. Nadab and Abihud had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai and had no children. So Eliezer and Ithamar ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, their father. They brought a forbidden fire before God 
and God struck them down dead. They, they were literally burned up and not the legacy that you, you want to live and leave. Verse five, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him and they may attend to his needs and that the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. So the Levites called to serve Aaron, Aaron as the, the high priest. So here's the, the role of the Levites. Also they shall attend to all furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons and they, shall, and they are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. So the role of the Levites and the priest was set apart for them specifically. Not anybody could just take that upon themselves. In verse 11, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine because all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine, I am the Lord. So God took the firstborn for himself, but instead of taking the firstborn from every family to serve him, he just says the tribe of Levi belongs uh, to me. As you continue through uh, in this chapter, uh, you see the Levites uh, being counted. There's a, there's a census of the Levites uh, totaling 22,000. And then in verse 40 through verse 51, it gives us a count of the firstborn males. So it counts all the Levites and then counts how many firstborn males there were and it was 22,273. So then there was more firstborn than Levites, 273, and those had to be redeemed at five per shekel. So God counts this really specifically of the, the firstborn and uh, the Levites. Chapter four. We're really cruising here, guys. Does anybody love numbers? Now, if you go to an online bookstore and you search for a title, The Joy of Accounting, it's just not there. There's like the joy of cooking and stuff like that, but there's not the, the joy of a, accounting. If, if you love numbers, you're, you're a unique breed, right? Yeah. But then some of us, in every area of our life, you do fall in love with some numbers. Like if you're a sports fan, you've probably fallen in love with some numbers. You know the statistics of your favorite players and the standings and all those kind of things. If, if you're into financial investing, you, you probably know the numbers of the, of the stock market and, and those types of things. And so this is God's people, and he, he loves his people, so he's, he's attached to uh, these numbers. I think every husband and wife have had this conversation. Husbands, we come home and say, hey, you, so-and-so, they had their baby. And it's like, well, how much did the baby weigh? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much the baby weighed. 
Well, how long was the baby? I don't know how long the baby is, right? Well, what's the baby's middle name? Who knows what the baby's <laughs> middle name is, right? But to you ladies, you're, that, that's important. We want to know how much the baby weighed. You're, you're into that number. And so, so God's into these, these numbers that he uh, gives uh, to us that are recorded in this book. Chapter 4 divides out the specific responsibilities of the Levites according to their, their families. So this is verse 1 of chapter 4. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the children of Levi by their families, by their father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who entered the service to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. This is interesting just from a philosophical view of ministry, is the priests, the Levites, served from 30 to 50. And then at 50, you were to step down and leave it to the younger guys and come along a side of them. So many times as you're coming up to 30, you're, you're learning a lot. And by 30, you've learned some things. And 30 is a good time to, to step in. And then possibly at 50 could be a time to, to step out and to come alongside of other pastors. So, so I just have a handful of years left. I better make the most of them, right? I don't know. It's just interesting that was how the Lord set up the Levites to, to do. From verse 4 to verse 20 was the job of Kohath. They were the movers. As you read through that, as they're packing up and, and tearing down, these guys will be the movers. They were two men in a truck, or two men in a camel, more like. And verse 21 to 28 was the, the job for Gershom. And they were carrying and serving and primarily the curtains for the tabernacle. They were the ones to pack up and, and take down the curtains. Also the wood and the metal parts of the tabernacle. The job for the sons of Mirai from verse 29 to 33, they were to carry uh, the boards, the bars, the pillars, and the sockets. And so that, that was their responsibility that was given to them. And then in verse 34 through 49, uh, we see the number of Levites involved in the work was 8,580, and the Kothites are listed, the Gershonites are listed, and the Maronites are, are listed. And guys, this wraps up our study for tonight. We tackled the first four chapters of the book of Numbers. Encourage you to read ahead as we go through to learn from the children of Israel during this time of wandering, God speaking to us in the wilderness, our faith being tested in the wilderness to believe the promises of God, that he's bigger than the giants, he's bigger than the walled cities, he's bigger than our own struggles. Be encouraged tonight to know that you are known by God. God wanted to number his people, and God's a God who's personal with you. Psalms 139 talks about the knowledge that God has for us. It's too wonderful for us to even comprehend that he thinks about us more than the sands of the sea. You're not just a number to God, you are known by God. It's important to be known in our families and in the body of Christ. Keep investing in family, it's worthwhile. There's nothing like family. Even though it has its difficulties and challenges, it's, it's God's design. Also be known in the body of Christ. Continue to 
invest relationally in the body of Christ seems to be a theme for us as we've been studying the book of Nehemiah on the weekends and being connected. We need one another. And Christ is the tabernacle. He's dwelt among us and allow Christ to be the center of your life. Put him in his proper place. Allow him to be your Lord. And as Jesus is in the center of our life, we find ourselves operating inside of his order. Life is difficult, it's challenging, but it's even more challenging when we're outside of the order that God designed. The way that he designed life for, to work is for him to be the Lord of our lives. We've all tried it where we've been on the throne of our life and it doesn't work very well. So allow Christ to be on the throne. Allow Christ to be the center of our camp. As we take communion tonight, what a blessing to remember what Christ has done, his broken body and his shed blood. At home, I'd encourage you to enter into communion, find some bread and some grape juice and focus on the sacrifice of Christ. And allow our resurrected Savior to speak to us in the wilderness. Numbers 1, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness. <laughs> Allow the Lord to, to speak to you in the midst of your wilderness. As we take communion, listen for the voice of your shepherd and allow him to restore your soul. Would you stand with me and let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you are the God of the wilderness, that you allow us to be in seasons of challenge and difficulty and, and dryness, and it, it reveals the state of our hearts, reveals how much we need you. And we ask that you would speak to us. You, you spoke to Moses in the wilderness. God, would you be gracious to speak to us? Jesus, we thank you that you tabernacled among us, you dwelt among us. You're Emmanuel, God with us. You are the presence of God in our lives. And Jesus, we make much of you. We want to order our lives around you. We thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. We thank you for your shed blood. We, we plead your blood over our lives. We ask for your protection. We ask for your grace. We ask for hope and encouragement over discouragement and you setting us free. We thank you as we study the, the written word that you, Jesus, are the living word, that you're here with us to, to meet with us. So Lord, I pray over your people, your body. Lord, would you provide encouragement? Would you cause your grace to shine upon us? Would you, would you give us peace? Would you help us to respond in faith, to trust your promises? We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.